This is Neon Radio, episode 127, with Lego artist Adam Ward. Welcome to Neon Radio. I'm your host, Nick Onkin, fashion and lifestyle photographer for today's top brands, performers, and game changers. On this podcast, we explore the body, mind, and soul of the creative entrepreneur, bringing you inspiring guests to help take your creativity, business, and life to the next level. Hello, hello, fellow Neonites. I'm excited to bring to you today's guest. He has a very unique artistic career, one that you don't hear of very often, and his medium is working with Lego. He builds sculptures and murals and all kinds of commissions. He's worked on the Lego movies, the Lego Batman movies. He does uh, still lifes and all kinds of crazy fun stuff. And his name is Adam Ward. He is a brilliant dude. He has a show called Peace and Bricks over on Soul Pancake on YouTube. And he is there to enlighten and enrich people's lives through Legos. And it's actually Lego. I just mispronounced it. Apparently, Lego has a way of calling their brand Lego, even though if it's plural, there is no S. So remember that. We also learn so many fun little insights into the Lego world. We actually learn what his process is and how he goes about building a project and how he even got started in making a living with building Legos. It's such a crazy world. I've never even heard of it. I am off traveling in Europe, so join me over for the adventures over on Instagram. My Instagram is Nick Onkin, at Nick Onkin, and I'll be posting some of my adventures in the stories and on the feed there. Don't forget to join us over in the Neon Life community and join up with other creatives across different industries. Ask questions about your journey, about process, share your work, collaborate with other people, and find some inspirations and insights. You can also go over to Adam's website to check out his work at peaceandbricks.com. We'll have that linked up in the show notes over at neonradio.com slash EP127. So with that, I bring to you the one, the only, Mr. Adam Ward. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Nick Onkin. Today we have Adam Ward on the show and Adam is a very unique individual who has a very unique career. He is a Lego artist, and welcome to the show. Nick, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, how many Lego artists are there out there? There's there's probably more than you think, but there's still not that many. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. There's, there's, there's definitely not that, not as many as I would think, and I am excited to chat with you about your path and how you you got to this space. We are at the at the studio, um, which we just got the tour, and it's it's very very cool. And um, there's lots of movies that Adam has worked on and been working with these guys. So let's just get started here, and I want to kind of hear your story of where you're from. Uh, I know you're from Minnesota. I, I, my family's from Chicago or from Illinois and the Midwest, and uh, I'm very familiar with that, that part of the country. So uh, just give us your story of how you got to this place of making a career out of building and working with Legos. Totally. So yeah, as you said, grew up in Minneapolis, uh, as you know, being from Chicago, just brutal winters, like fun snow, snowsuits, snowmen, snow angels, all that, but at a certain point the cold just keeps us inside. And I'm an only child and I've always had a vivid imagination. So I would tell these stories and just play with all the Lego that I had in my basement. I would spend winter days, like from when I would wake up to when my parents would force me to go to bed, like in the basement, playing with Lego, telling stories, using the Lego to build things for my Ninja Turtles or for my He-Man or, you know, for like Nerf forts, like everything was Lego related. And I thought it was so cool that this toy could interact with all my other toys. Like I could make a thing, like an invention that Donatello would invent, but I could use (laughs) Lego, you know, instead of some other Ninja Turtle thing that I may not have. And I loved Lego basically until I started 
being concerned with being cool. Mm. Like 15 or so. Yeah. When like girl posters started to go up on the walls <laughs> and like I bought my first black light, like the Lego left my room. I kind of took like a step away from Lego. And I was sort of sans Lego until like my mid 20s. And I had this just super serendipitous sequence of events happen where uh, I was living in Los Angeles and my roommate had bought an Apple TV and a stereo and surround like all of the stuff and the Apple TV was overheating on top of the receiver and he was like I got all this stuff your job is to go get a shelf so the Apple TV stops overheating so I'm like okay I'll go to Target I'll buy a little plastic shelf we'll get this Apple TV from overheating <laughs> at Target they don't really have anything but as I always do at Target I wanted to check out the Lego that was there because I've still like even though I wasn't building a lot I still liked looking at the new Lego stuff. Right. And while I'm in the Lego line or in the Lego aisle, like just lightning struck in my head. And I was like, I can build the shelf out of Lego. <laughs> so I still had a box of Lego under my bed that I hadn't looked at in like three or four years. So I drove home, I sped home. Uh, I grabbed the Apple TV, I grabbed my Lego, like dumped it out on the floor like I did when I was a kid and like click, 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 put together the shelf for the Apple TV, put it back in the place. It raised it like three inches so it went over heat on top of the receiver. And I was like, holy shit, I can use Lego to build all of these things that I need. Like That's I, amazing. I needed toys as a kid. Now I'm an adult. I don't necessarily need toys, but like I still love Lego. I still want to build. So I started building uh, like a little dock for my phone and picture frames and coasters for our coffee table and a thing to put change in and a hutch for my terrible Craigslist desk to make it less awful. <laughs> and I started making all of these things and put some photos online and it's just been like snowballing from there. And now it's now it's actually a thing that I do with all, all of my energy all the time. I love that. I love that. So now we're going to have to like rewind a little bit and, <laughs> and unpack a, a few things that you said because mm-hmm. I love... I love this whole idea, this whole story. I mean, I I grew up on Legos, so I know I know that that feeling. And then I transitioned to the drawing and painting, and then ended up becoming a photographer, and that's a whole different story. But <laughs> like, did you ever have any sort of vision that you would ever be a Lego artist as a kid? No, no, I had, I didn't even consider it as like a an option. Uh, I I didn't go to Legoland as a kid. Uh, I didn't really know. I never considered it. Like I, the the Lego store opened at the Mall of America in I don't know 1990 or something, and that was the first time I had ever seen big scale Lego, and I was just blown away. But I didn't even consider like who is the person that makes those things. Right. I thought like oh they just come from the Lego factory. They just like squeeze them out of a tube or just ma- magic <laughs> right. happens. It's elves in a tree. Who knows? But I didn't think that like oh I could be a person who does that one day. Right. That connection for whatever reason like was never made wow yeah so you you built this shelf and that's where you kind of had that aha moment and where did you go from there how did you start to you, you started taking photos of things but you just started creating stuff and then you put it out there and yeah so i would the biggest thing for me was the thing that i started using every day i made this little fob for my keys because I used to lose my keys all the time Mm. and I built this little Lego box that lived by my front door so when I was leaving I would just snap my keys out of it and when I got home I'd click my keys back in and I stopped losing my keys and I was like not only did I make something that I didn't have before out of Lego like I solved a problem for myself Mm -hmm. and I was like oh I bet other people might also like this people who grew up on Lego but maybe don't want a four foot death star in their house or they don't want like all of Hogwarts, nothing against those things. Those things are amazing. But like, if you're living in a small apartment, you're probably not, you know, making Ravenclaw dorm like out of Lego on your desk. I mean, who doesn't want a four foot death star made of Legos? We all do. Uh, So I posted some photos just like with the like basically practical things made from Lego. That was my idea. And a friend's sister worked at Lego, so like I reached out to him and then to her and I was like, "Hey, I got this idea. I'd love to do it." And Lego was like, "No, thanks cuz we're a toy company and we have no idea who you are." <laughs> and like you have these terrible like Kodak instant photos that you <laughs> like sent us. That's hilarious. Uh, and so I kind of just backburnered the idea for a while. Mm-hmm. And a few years later, I helped a friend kind of start a business and that didn't really work out. But I really learned, like I saw a business get created. Like I Mm. saw this wonderful process of an idea 
turning into a thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to do this with my Lego ideas. And and Kickstarter was pretty new at the time. And I said, I'm going to launch a Kickstarter campaign. So I came up with a handful of rewards, the key thing, uh, a picture frame, a, an iPhone dock, uh, some furniture. And I had some other ideas that I threw out there that I've since totally abandoned because they're ridiculous. But at the time, <laughs> I was like, oh, these are really good. These are practical things that I'm solving with Lego. Yeah. So I launched the Kickstarter in February of 2012. And three months later, I had raised over 10 grand, which was my goal. I had like been featured in some magazines, got on the radar of a handful of companies that I would later collab with and do major installations. And that was really the catalyst of turning this hobby into at first, you know, a paying hobby and then a part-time job <laughs> and now now a full-time job and now, you know, a career. Absolutely. And speaking of that, what what were you doing in the beginning before pre pre-Lego world to make money and and survive and and then how did that transition happen for you? Uh I've been a creative my whole life. Like I've never had a like finger quotes normal job yeah so there's always been like an inherent hustle that i've had when i first moved out to los angeles i think i had like 200 dollars maybe 400 i had either two or 400 dollars. i remember it was like one or two rounds of monopoly money that i had like two goes around the board (laughs) and i i like pa'd for a little while and then i was doing event production and i was an actor as a kid so i came out you know i auditioned i booked a few things which always helped but there was always a need for a lot more work than whatever I was booking. So uh, I would just kind of do random stuff. I'm handy, which I think has lent itself a lot to yeah. the creations that I do in Lego. So I like built Ikea furniture for people, built other <laughs> things, like just basically like lived off of Craigslist for a while. Yeah. Um, and then for, for a little bit of a good friend, Jason and I, we uh, made some content. Uh, so we were doing some, we became content producers for some brands. So we got to go on a couple tours and, and do some stuff there, which was really great and was able to make and save some money to support my other creative endeavors. Absolutely. So it sounds like you were creative in business as well. You were able to, to find different things that you, your skills that you had and build some sort of business around that to, so you could survive and, and really work on the, the craft that you wanted to work on. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I've had enough Minnesota winters for a lifetime. <laughs> and then I went to school in Syracuse. I was like, no more winter. Like, I get to do whatever it takes to live in gorgeous, permanently 72 and sunny Los Angeles. Hey, like, I'm never leaving. <laughs> yeah. Like, or if I do, it's going to be on my terms. It's not going to be because, you know, I couldn't find furniture to put together and get paid for on Craigslist. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I th- it sounds like, you know, I, and this, uh, this is kind of a thread line too, is like when you're first starting, you got to be scrappy. You've got to figure out how to pay your bills while you're, you're practicing your, your main craft. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I totally feel that. What was probably one of the, the weirdest jobs that you had? Like one of the, you know, the, the scrappy sh- jobs. What was sure. It? Uh, I worked for a woman putting I- IKEA furniture together. Like that's why that came to mind, and sh- I I have no idea what she did because I got hired to. She hired me to build like one thing, um, and I, I put it together for her, and she liked my attitude, and she liked that I was good at building, and you know didn't like I don't know. <laughs> I think I like exceeded her expectation. So she was like, oh, I'm actually redoing my office. So I'm going to have more uh, stuff to build. If you Can I take your number? Yada. I was like, yeah, sure. So over the course of like six months, I built maybe a hundred pieces of furniture for her. And I never saw her do any work. I never saw like any work get done. I never saw clients visit. I never saw. She, she like was basically just furnishing refurnishing and like doing constant changes to her office Uh, to this day i have no idea what the company was like there were like a bunch of old scripts from like the 80s on a shelf there and there was all this baseball memorabilia but i never saw like a shred of work ever get done except a lot of furniture got assembled so weird (laughs) and then i was like i would assemble it all would be in one room and then the next week she'd ask me to move it all to another room it was like, maybe I was being pranked, but she was paying me. I don't know. So I was like, I was, you're like, she's paying me. It doesn't matter. Yeah. That's, 
it's really like maybe there's like a video maybe she like was just i it was maybe it was an experiment maybe it was a social experiment to see i don't know how fast somebody can put together <laughs> ikea furniture for 20 dollars an hour that's so bizarre yeah it was so bizarre so strange and then i i did a lot of event production so I got to set up really weird events, like the fanciest seven-year-old birthday party you've ever seen in your <laughs> life. And like all of these just ostentatious parties in like Bel Air and Beverly Hills and just super wild. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You see a lot living in Los Angeles. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of weirdness. A lot. And also I think, I don't know if it's New York or Los Angeles, but like weirdness at every socioeconomic strata. <laughs> like every every place has super weird people who have been living on the streets because that's got to be just one of the most trying things and take a toll on your psyche. But like super weird millionaires, super weird billionaires, <laughs> super weird thousandaires, like just the weirdest at every level. Yeah. Always blows me away. <clears throat> Absolutely. And the, probably the more money people make, the weirder it gets. Just the, just the weirdest. <laughs> Wonderfully weird. And then just weirdly weird. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, LA, such a such a funny funny little world we have here. Yeah, it is. And you know, you can you can make a living and and playing with Legos. <laughs> you can. I mean, that's kind of weird. That's in and it's, of we, it's I embrace the weird. I will I, I will take it. It's <laughs> fantastic. Huh. Um, <laughs> uh, so so going going back to where what was your biggest like mental challenge? going through this phase into this this era of time into uh getting to work with and building legos one of the biggest challenges has been really kind of changing my my like a a major shift in my perspective Mm. because in my 20s and when it was just me i was just fine with like coasting in between larger gigs and then having some money and then coasting again and like i i grew up you know, lower middle class. So I wasn't like, I I hadn't become used to like the finer things in life. I was just fine as long as I could like handle rent, eat out a couple times, have bananas in my house and like a cell phone that was connected. Like that's basically all I needed. It was very low maintenance. And then getting older and no longer being satisfied with just like surviving, but really wanting to thrive. And then meeting Stacy, who's now my wife, realizing that it's not just me that you know it's me and my partner that I'm building a life with that I'm building a career uh together with and really not being interested in just getting by anymore really wanting to thrive really wanting to create abundance by the things that I create and changing my relationship with money changing my relationship with work uh really like just a sea change in how Mm -hmm. I see uh that aspect of my life that was like and continues to be just so eye-opening and beautiful and really lesson-filled. Yeah. What were those actual, especially like abundance and money, what was those, what did that look like, the actual shift or change that, um, that took place? Yeah, great question. I, th- I think one of the things I've noticed most is that I'm a really good sprinter. Like I've always been a good sprinter in every aspect of the world. Like I'm actually fast and I'm really good at cramming before an exam or knocking out a paper in a very short time. And I would be put in those, you know, situations. And it's been said, like I've heard people say that, you know, uh, stress is kind of like cheap fuel. You put your back up against the wall and you either like survive or don't. And I'm a survivor. So I have. Yeah. Um, And really reframing that into being a distance runner not having these Mm. things that I drive myself into the ground working, you know, 90, 100-hour weeks uh, because I've let stuff slide or just have like an avalanche of work, but really just parsing out work so that there's always a steady stream, so that I always get to be doing stuff, not just like what's right in front of me, but building pieces that take, you know, weeks or months or creating... uh, creating you know like my show which takes a really long time to build an audience to build an identity to to grow that like sprinting is good for some things but it's wonderful to have another speed and it's been really nice to like kind of figure that out absolutely absolutely so where did the speaking of the show where did piece and bricks start how did that how did that come about how did you well start there and then i would like how'd you connect with soul pancake uh 
So one of the very first major installations I did was at Zappos in downtown Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the people who put together Tony's tour, Tony's the CEO of Zappos, uh, a buddy of mine who put together his book tour, uh, I knew from when I was doing event production. So when I did my blast about my Kickstarter campaign, he was one of the 900 people, thousand, however many people I emailed, he was one of the people who got blasted by the the email and he was interested and, and Tony's doing really amazing things in downtown Vegas to support entrepreneurs and the tech industry and really bring a lot to that area. Yeah. So I got to go out to Vegas for a few times and on one of my trips, I met Shabnam, who's the CEO of Soul Pancake. And know. we chatted and we had um, like instant rapport. She's super creative and awesome. And I, I loved what they were creating and we... Uh, exchanged information and we occasionally talked and I had for so long had this idea in my mind about being the Bob Ross of Lego. <laughs> like I loved Bob Ross as a kid. I've never been a painter, but I just loved watching his process. Yeah. It was so calming. It was so inspiring. Like I really, really dug it. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to do it right. Like I didn't want to do it with a camera phone. Like I, I re- really wanted to res- respect, uh, like not even his legacy, but I wanted to do it in a way that I would watch. I didn't want it to have like crappy sound and be shaky and out of focus. So I wanted to partner with somebody on it. And I was just like inspired one day to reach out and kind of give them like the soft pitch and they liked it. So they invited me in and I told them a little bit more about it and what I think Lego can do and what I think the show could do. And they bought it. So last spring, um, spring of 2000. 16 we did a test run of five episodes just to see how they would do yeah and they exceeded all of our expectations so then last fall we got to do a full season and then uh just last month we wrapped we shot seasons three and four right back to back oh cool and we've been able to kind of broaden the show so on the show i teach people um how to build some design and it's some design that I think will bring creativity or presence or gratitude or something to their lives. Mm. So I teach you not only like the how, but also why, like why would you build this thing? And then I go into the world and I either give them away or I leave them somewhere that I think could use a little bit more beauty or, uh, really interact with people with Lego because building could be such a solitary activity, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, it's funny because it does bring people together, right? I mean, now I go back home and I build Legos with my nephews. So awesome. And um, it kind of brings out that kid in you. Totally. So who, like what kind of people do you have on the show or do you work with on it? Uh, I mean, there's an, an awesome, like super talented crew that I get to work with. Uh, and this season for the first time, we started doing some collabs where I got to work with a couple other Lego artists and some other YouTubers and some other people from the, the Soul Pancake family. And we've done a lot of really, uh, really great uh, philanthropic work this season which i'm super proud of i'm really happy we've been able to uh and we're doing uh an all lego art show where all the proceeds are going to children's hospital here in los angeles and uh next week we're actually filming an episode where we're building a thousand cranes out of lego because there's an old japanese proverb that uh anyone who has the patience to fold a thousand paper cranes like an origami um can bring about world peace so wow. we're making a thousand Lego paper cranes. Oh my god! So we're gonna be doing that in Santa Monica with like a ton of kids, and um, then we're gonna make the cranes available for purchase, and all the money is gonna go That's somewhere cool. great. We're still figuring out some of the stuff, but so cool. Yeah, I'm so really excited. Are, is you're gonna teach everyone how to do it, and then it'll be like a big group crane making party? Mm-hmm, exactly. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Man, it's it's such an exciting life. It sounds like. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's wild. Like it's, I feel a little bit. Like, off people hear Lego artists and they might think like that's such a specific niche. Like, who in the world wants a Lego thing? Or if you're not into Lego, whatever. And simultaneously, I feel like I get to do all of these different things. I get to host the show. I get to do two-dimensional art. I get to do three-dimensional art. I get to make furniture. I get to do installations. I get to do interactive things. I was just at a science museum building exhibits for a science museum. Like, it's so fun to work with a medium that's so pliable. That can be, you know, fit to so many different situations. And it's like there are moments where like I'm feeling stressed out because of a deadline or, you know, I don't know where I'm like, I don't have the right stuff for a build. And it's so <laughs> like funny, <laughs> like when I zoom out a little bit and be like, am I really stressed about building with Lego right now? Like, am I stressing <laughs> about a toy? Like I really practice having like maintaining that perspective. 
to like look at it and look at, you know, what a treat it is and what a blessing it is to be able to do the thing that if you told me five years ago I was doing now, I'd be like, no way. It worked? Like, it worked? Like, people bought it? People are into it? You're like, really? Get Did out I, of town. I just got away with something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does feel a little bit like that sometimes. I love that. I love that. So let's just jump back a little bit. So you, when you you set up the Kickstarter, I want to hear more of your path from there and how it built to where you're at today and, and kind of talk about some of the, the projects that you've worked on along the way. So just to, to paint a picture of, to those that are listening. Totally. What, what, what does that look like? Because, I mean... The idea of a Lego artist, it almost is to, to somebody who doesn't know, what is that? What does that look like? So what it looks like is uh, as the Kickstarter was was gaining some steam and some people were sharing it on social media, I started getting companies who were reaching out to me and they said, hey, we have this idea for an event or we have this idea for a build or we want this in our lobby. And I was able to to close some of those deals. And even before the Kickstarter had finished, you know, the Kickstarter I was focused on making, you know, a picture frame for somebody or two key fobs and docks or like a little side table. Um, and then all of a sudden I started working with companies and there's a company in the Bay called Genentech and they had a huge event where I built 650 picture frames. And I was like, this is a different game. <laughs> like I've been thinking just about like working with people, but working with companies is like, a totally different thing, especially when it's a cool company that has some vision right. that is like giving me uh, not only permission, but paying me to create something that I'm really excited about creating anyway. After you build about 275 picture frames, the excitement quickly wears off. <laughs> so I, I enlisted a lot of help to get to 650. Um, and what's cool is like something I've learned in a lot of my builds is a lot of the time the build is simple. It's the design that's really challenging. Mm. It's the design where the picture frame that people actually receive is the 70th iteration of some design because the kickstand doesn't work right or the picture frame slot is too big so the picture slides off if you pick it up off the wall, like all of these different things. But really honing my design process so then the mm. product itself can be pretty easy to build, um, that has been such such a great lesson and such a fun way to work. Yeah. Um, and then after working with with Genentech, seeing you know how cool it is to to be able to build you know so many of something that was for sure the most of anything I'd ever built, uh, I I uh, was able to close the deal with Zappos and do a mural, a I believe five by nine foot mural in the lobby of their new headquarters wow. uh, at the time new headquarters back in 2013 um, in downtown Las Vegas. And one of my favorite things about that build was uh, if you uh, have seen the Zappos uh, logo, it yeah. is the logo and the logo has a ton of white. And when you mm -hmm. see that on you know a little package or a website, it's, it's cool and it's really clean, but when you blow it up to a really big size, it becomes kind of like a lot of empty space. Mm -hmm. And the, the lobby really needed color, it needed a lot. So I had this idea to leave about 10,000 openings in the white and leave 10,000 bricks for all the people to add and fill in that space. Uh, so it almost looked like confetti going off within the the logo, like a celebration of this new this new building, a new beginning. Um, and that was, thank you, that was like the first collaborative mural that I made that like when I finished it, it looked finished. You could see all, all the letters, it didn't look incomplete. Mm -hmm. And then when the big opening extravaganza was going on, we came out with all these bins and people were like, wait, what's going on? They got to add bricks to it. That was like, one of the most rewarding experiences I, so I'd cool. had because all these people were getting to interact with art and art so often is stay back, don't touch, no flash photography, you know, this is complete, don't even think about getting close to it. And it's so fun to invite people to interact, to mess with it, to add bricks, to put their own spin on it. That's so great. Oh, thanks. I love that. So from there, how did you end up, you know, what other projects have you worked on and then how did you end up here? Sure. So... So I was able to to work with a lot of other fun um, companies like Tumblr, Nestle, Microsoft, uh, done builds for just a ton of different folks. And uh, one of the people uh, that I was able to connect with um, through some of my builds and some of my work was Dan Lin, who is a producer on the Lego movie. And we connected right after the first Lego movie came out. And we chatted, we got along, and he said that he needed a gift for the head of Warner Brothers. And he wanted to make him something really cool, and he wanted it to be Lego. 
with this the head of Warner Brothers at the time was like a dude's dude like a man's man like offices like mahogany and you know super expensive like whiskey bottles and Dan did not know nor I I, I had no idea like what I could what I could build out of Lego for this space um, so I thought about it for a while and then I pitched Dan this idea of me building uh, like a Lego version of an old leather chest like those leather like old suitcases or chests that people have like often stacked in threes or something mm-hmm. um, and Dan really liked the idea so I built it I'd like spent all of this time figuring it out and failing and failing then failing differently and then learning through failure and you know probably 80 hours later or something oh, wow. had not not straight um i think you have a psychotic break if you stay up for 48 hours yeah, exactly. so there's definitely, <laughs> definitely like eating and sleep peppered in there and you got to take lego breaks or else your fingernails fall off um i presented it to dan <laughs> and dan really liked it but the real question was you know would the head of warner brothers like it and he got it as a gift and he loved it it was like this huge win. I was super excited. And after that, Dan told me that they were opening a new space. And he wanted me to see the space. And as soon as I walked in, it's the space we're in right now. Oh, wow. And just staring at you when you walk in is this enormous 13, 20 by 9 foot wall that was just blank. <laughs> just white and nothing going on. And I was like, this place is where the next however many Lego movies are being created as soon as you walk in, you need to be like hit in the face with fun. You need to be like, this is a place where we play. This is a place where we create. It's colorful. It's interesting. So I said, give me this wall. Let me make something on this wall. And after a lot of talking and ideas and pitches, um, they said yes. So I was able to do uh, my, my second or maybe third at the time, really major mural installation and like the Zappos piece, there's a huge surrounding area where everybody who visits, Nick, you get to sign it when we're done here. Everybody who visits gets to sign the wall and Lego or build a little thing. So cool. um, and it says, welcome to Bricksburg. It's like a huge old kind of vintage postcard style. And then there's all the different worlds of Lego represented from like castle to pirates to space to city and even dinosaur stuff thrown in and little Lego Easter eggs hidden throughout it. And uh, after I built that mural, I moved in with my now wife and I went from having a big place that I was sharing with a couple buddies to a tiny one bedroom apartment where there was no space for my Lego. So I like went to Dan like hat in hand and was like, yo, I I don't think I said yo. I was like, hi. (laughs) (laughs) You have this new beautiful building. I just moved in with my future wife. Uh, Is there any way I could rent or borrow or have some office space for a little bit of time and he said yes and I got to share an office with him because he was gone all summer so I had his office then when he came back we just shared an office for a while and I was like okay this is the coolest thing ever it was like him doing all this super serious movie producer just awesome amazing stuff and i was building lego at a table Here and in then, the corner like building right. legos and then as my my workspace expanded and my supply expanded and um, the demand for my work has expanded i have since relocated to a much larger workspace downstairs where i get to work with a lot of the artists who are working on the lego movie and i get mm-hmm. to help out on the lego movies in a bunch of fun different ways and kind of just call this place home. I love it. I love it. Thank it's, you. I yeah, mean, it's, it's pretty spectacular. It's so wild. It's such a, like just a w- ridiculous sequence of events that like happened in just the right way to bring me to this moment. Yeah, I love it. You're here. <laughs> Thanks. So let's jump back a little bit to where you were. You you did that project, um, the gift for, for that guy. What, what does your creative process look like you know, how do you start designing? Are you sketching things out? Are you, how do, like, I it, I can't even conceive, like, what the process looks like to, to build something out of Legos and really get it to the space that you want. What does that look like? So for me, what it looks like is, is really examining the thing that I want to create. Like, really looking at, uh, at, at photos and actual, if I can, real versions of the thing. So I looked at a ton of leather chests, like old briefcases, what the latches looked like, what the dimensions were, what the ratios were, um, to really kind of get an idea of of how they worked. And a lot of time, what I will build is not an imitation of one. 
it's kind of like a mixtape. Like I'll borrow some of my favorites from different things. Uh, my wife collects vintage cameras, and I've made her a few Lego vintage cameras, but it's never like this exact one. It's sort of like yeah. I borrow the styles mm-hmm. that I like. Uh, and then once I have an idea of of what I'm going to be building, I look at the most intricate element. And I think about how can I do the most intricate element? Because hmm. if I start with the very smallest piece and I get it right, I know that as I move out, it'll work because I'm dealing with bigger and bigger stuff. Mm. But if I start with really big stuff, as I build down and get to more involved angles and different elements, if it doesn't work, then all the big stuff doesn't work. Mm. So I look at them, like if you're doing a face, I look at the eye or I look at you know the nostril. I look at the most specific mark. I start there and just tinker there for a long time. Yeah. Like for a bird's eye view, a stranger walking by for a long time, it looks like I'm obsessing over what might even be kind of like an inconsequential uh, element, but really that element starts to tell the story that the entire piece will finish. So I spend so much time on these first little details that then sometimes it like just avalanches. It just like pours out of me like the rest of it as I'm building. That's so cool. So you're actually, you just start picking up the pieces and start building. You don't actually like sketch anything out. Uh, I use, if I'm doing like a logo or I'm doing something where the ratios are very set and I need to fill a specific space, I'll use graph paper often because the graph paper is like a great analog for Lego. Yeah. Um, All the grids just like, I think of it as looking like the bird's eye view of Lego. Right. Um, so that works really, really well. But sometimes when I'm doing more creative stuff where I'm really having some freedom to put my own spin on whatever it is, uh, I'll just start building. You know, And it's kind of like a 3D sketch. Uh, I'm just taking paper out of the equation. And a lot of the times, those little things that I'm building won't be a part of the finished piece mm. because they'll need to be connected differently or they'll need to be you know a different color or something like that but it's it's really fun to kind of just do miniature rough drafts oh wow so you'll you'll build like a little piece of it and you're like okay i can i can fit this into the bigger puzzle and then you'll rebuild it to fit in the actual full piece exactly wow so fascinating yeah and okay so where does one get like loads of legos from you can't just go to the store and buy buy (laughs) a a blank kit (laughs) yeah yeah that's getting getting product is is one of the challenges for anybody who's you know working on being a lego artist professionally or just wants to build a lot of lego the lego stores can be really helpful because they have this pick a brick wall in the back Mm. i don't know if you've seen a lego store in the last like 20 years uh but it's like a bulk candy section we just have these cups and you can fill the cups with whatever will fit in there and then there's just like a flat price to pay for those cups and if you're strategic <laughs> about it if you like really take some time you can get so many pieces into a cup where it becomes like a pretty good deal um, there's also amazing stuff online there's a website called bricklink and there's tens of thousands of people from all over the world that put up any lego they don't need for sale and so you can look <laughs> at their like entire stock some people have hundreds of some people have like millions of lego up there and you can just buy you know 2500 black two by four plates and then you just get them from that person it's kind of like ebay uh but just in lego and there are so many people like as soon as i think (laughs) that i'm right that i'm like a weirdo out on this island alone i look around and i just see tens of thousands of other weirdos who are just making (laughs) as weird requests as i am for all of these lego pieces Man, I wouldn't have never have thought. Yeah, right. And people still, like my mom's friends will call me. They'll be like, or my mom will call me and be like, my friend Claudia found a bag full of Lego at a garage sale. She's still there. It's twelve dollars. It's a it's like a it's like a shopping bag, like a like a grocery store shopping bag. Should she get it? <laughs> so sometimes I say yes. Most of the time I say no, because a lot of the time I, I I, I normally use all new pieces because they look very different. Yeah. They're very shiny and they're clean and they're, you know, there's no marks or like teeth marks in the side from some, <laughs> you know, toddler or some dog or something. Uh, but sometimes I'll use used bricks internally mm-hmm. to just reinforce structure and, and do things like that. So you get like the pre-bricks on the outside, but sometimes you got some used bricks on the inside. It's so fast. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> we got Secrets out, man. Secrets out. <laughs> but I always use real Lego pieces because there are like mega blocks and some other things out there that I'm not 
Uh, they can be really tricky because some of them look exactly like Lego, uh, but the fit's not quite as good. The colors are a little bit off. Not, you know, I get it. If there's people out there who want to save money and get more bricks for their kids, there are things that are cheaper than Lego. But I, I gotta, I gotta support the company that you know on the on the pro level here. Right? Pro league, you gotta <laughs> Lego, <laughs> Lego only. I mean, you don't have a, a direct link to Lego now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do. I just did an installation at their new Los Angeles office. We did an all-white skyline of the most famous uh, architecture in Los Angeles, which was really fun. And I was just That's under cool. a pile of white bricks for, I don't know, like eight months or something. I looked like a <laughs> Colombian drug lord. Uh, and so now that I'm working with them some, I can occasionally get bricks from them. But even, like, I've talked to people who work at Lego. It can even be challenging for them to get bricks. Really? Because they're not, they're they're very, they're only made in a few places in the world. And there's a protocol to go through. Like, they're, they really keep, like, a tight leash on their bricks. They don't want them getting into the wrong hands. (laughs) I've learned so much about Lego. There are people who use Lego from, like, money laundering. What? Yes. No, you (laughs) gotta tell me this. I, I don't, like... So from what I understand is, like, especially in Southeast Asia, there's a, there's, it's very easy to move Lego from country to country. It's very hard to move other things from country to country. But Lego have a really high value. They don't weigh very much. And there's always a demand for them. So people, like, launder money the through their, fuck? like, whatever they're doing via Lego. That is... It's nuts. What? It's nuts. I've heard of like Lego heists. I've heard of all of these things. I'm Wait, like, a Lego heist? Yeah. Oh, do, do tell. I guess do tell. some Lego stores don't keep all of their product in the actual store. Like if they have a small footprint at a mall or something. <laughs> so they'll have just like a regular like storage unit. And then people <laughs> will like case the joint and like find out the routines and just steal an entire storage unit of Lego because it's, you know, a quarter of a million dollars in Lego or something. What? Yeah, it happened not long ago in like Long Beach or San Diego. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not just in Asia. This is oh no here. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it happens. And here then too. they they just sell it. They, they just they sell put it, it on brick. brick they put link. they put on Bricklink, and who knows? <laughs> or they open up the sets and sell the individual pieces or the mini figs or something. It's bananas. <laughs> that is bananas. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, wow. What what other Lego insights do you have here? Oh. Like what other bizarre things? Uh, well, a, 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 like a, a fun fact is that whether you're talking about one brick or a thousand, it's always Lego. You uh. don't put an S on the end because Lego is Danish for play well. <laughs> so they like Lego. The company will never say Legos. And when I on the show, if I slip up and I say Legos in the comments, I'll just get like murdered by people like it's lego you don't know blah blah blah, like all of these things so there's this whole cult following oh man yeah it's 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 big uh i've i've i recently (laughs) watched a lego documentary where i learned so much because i don't spend a ton of time like at the conventions and stuff but i there's conventions conventions, yeah uh one of the like my favorite things that i learned is that a, a beautiful woman who's into lego is known as a one by five because a one by five brick does not exist. <laughs> it's like the unicorn. <laughs> so like I like have like seen on Instagram stuff people saying like, oh, I'm still looking for my one by five and like they mean like a partner because they're so hard <laughs> to find. Oh my god, that is yeah. so crazy. Yeah, it's it's pretty hysterical. Wait, so what's this Lego documentary for those of those who would like to watch it? Uh, I think it's on Netflix. It's called A Brickumentary or The Brickumentary. Brickumentary. Something like that. I there's, think I might have to go watch this. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. There's a lot there's a, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's lot. a whole subculture. It Dude, sounds it's like. it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Uh, have you gone to a Lego convention? I I have yeah, I've been to a couple and <laughs> I got to uh, one of the things I've, I've gotten to do since working here at Bricksburg is uh, build a lot of the stuff for Lego Batman. And when I was working on the sets uh, for Lego Batman, I was building with two guys who were like super duper into the Lego subculture. And uh, there's a term called AFOL, A-F-O-L, adult fan of Lego. And there are lug groups, which are Lego users groups. And there's them, like they have them all over. There's like... Lou Gola is the one here, Lego users group of LA. But there, I, I was just in Cleveland to do this installation in the museum. And the one there is 
Neolug, like the Northeast Ohio Lego users group. Like there's so many that Ohio Lego users group doesn't even work. There's like the Northeast Ohio Lego users group. No way. Yeah. They're, yeah. And I get the emails and sometimes the emails are hilarious and sometimes they're like, <laughs> there's like meetups and they like break up sets and there's, there's a lot. And then there's people who are obsessed with minifigs. Like I very rarely use minifigs because I'm building like things with utility or I'm building a piece of art and you know a little one inch yellow person like very rarely has a place in what I'm building right so wait what's a minifig for the little Lego people the little like the little Lego spaceman or knight or police officer like the little they're called minifig minifigure minifig oh minifigure okay got it see see, this this is a whole terminology man terminology that it's coming at you that uh that none of us know about so what I've learned is sometimes there are minifig sets that come out where you're buying like a little foil pack, but you don't know what minifig is in there. So you like if it's the Simpsons, you could be getting Bart or Marge or Homer or Krusty <laughs> or whoever. But sometimes there's like a really valuable one or one that people really want. So there are people in the store who will pull out an entire box of hundreds of these and stand there and just with their thumbs and pointer fingers try to figure out which minifig <laughs> is in there. What? <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes. Oh my for, god. For like for hours. Just like, oh, that's a Marge. No thanks. Oh, that's a Lisa. Oh, there's Smithers. I want Smithers. <laughs> like I don't even know what they're feeling for. It's it's like they, <laughs> they know like the shape of someone's head or the little accessory that the minifig comes with. It's I'm I'm blown away. It's bananas. My, my mind is blown right now. <laughs> yeah. I did did not even know that existed. It exists. Wow. It, it's 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 probably happening right now. There are enough Lego stores and there are enough people that some somebody right now is 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 like rummaging through a box of little tiny foil packs <laughs> trying to <laughs> discern which Lego person is inside. That is so bizarre. Right? So bizarre. So I mean, how do you, like, I guess you, it's like Lego culture, right? How do you find out all, all this stuff? I mean, I, I, I have a really good relationship with the local Lego store because I get a lot of stuff from them. So I spend time there. I talk to a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people who watch the show and then reach out with questions. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just out there and like I'm a part of it. So whether I participate in certain elements of it or not, like <laughs> it's still, you know, it still goes. It still comes across my radar. <laughs> oh my God. Money laundering in, in <laughs> yeah. Thailand and with Legos. Yep. I mean, that's just bizarre. Yeah, so bizarre. Have you been to uh, to the Lego factory? Uh, I haven't. I haven't yet. Uh, the main one is in Billund, Denmark, and I'm really excited to go. But I haven't been. Do you have to have yet. like some sort of top secret invite to yeah. go? And like, there's there's. There's a portion that anybody can go to, kind of like doing like a studio lot tour. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, if I made a couple phone calls, I could get some additional access. They, I, I guess there's a room there where they have, it's like temperature controlled and they have every single, a, a copy of every single Lego set that's ever been produced. Wow. Yeah. It's like under lock and key. I'm, oh my God. I'm sure it is like airtight it, it might be you might have to do six, like an ice scan or, underground yeah yeah they men in black flashy thing you after after you go uh yeah i mean it's uh, the question is is the factory built out of legos <laughs> um it's 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 not unfortunately <laughs> probably wouldn't um, be too uh somebody secure. built a lego house in england but they did like they didn't do a good job like it was really ugly it was very it was super novelty because like one of the things i want to do is make an entire place out of lego that would be pretty amazing. Um, but I want to do it, you know, thoughtfully and artistically, not just like, oh, all the stairs are, you know, red, green, and blue. You know, <laughs> no offense to primary colors. They have their place. They're great. Uh, but when I do a lot of my builds, like, I like to use, you know, subtler hues, like, yeah. have, bring, like, elevate the the level of design going on. Absolutely. Yeah. Are there any uh, other out Lego artists out there that you, you admire and, and look up to? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's there's a handful. There's um Nathan Sawaya does a lot of really cool human form work. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of three D sculpture, really beautiful stuff. Sean Kenny is in New York, he does awesome stuff. And like there's so many more. Like if if you just search Lego art, 
or Lego design or Lego artist or something on Instagram, like the hashtag, you'll see cool stuff. You'll see cool stuff from people who have big followings. You'll see cool stuff from somebody who's posting from a basement in Ann Arbor. Like you'll like people are doing really cool stuff. And one of the amazing things about the internet is everyone is being able to see each other's work. Mm-hmm. And you know, some people are imitating, some people are just borrowing, some people are being inspired or maybe using one tiny technique. But the the sharing of information in all media, it feels like, is yeah. at an all time high. And it's having an impact on Lego builders as well. Absolutely. I think it's having like the internet has like revolutionized every every industry. Everything. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Now it's not just one bakery in Portland doing salted chocolate chip cookies. Everyone's like, oh, that's delicious. We're all going to do that forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what's the big vision? Where do you want to go in your career? Uh, I Or business. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Great question. I'm really excited uh, about continuing to, to elevate the design that's happening with Lego. Mm. Um, that's something I, I really... I really am passionate about is creating things like I had a piece featured in dwell magazine. I've had some, some stuff be in, in art shows and not just for kids, not just for fun, not just for play, but really having work taken more and more seriously mm-hmm. is great. And on the other side of it, reminding people how important it is to play. Like the fact that we get mail from the show that kids are building with their, with their parents that adults are picking up Lego for the first time in 20 or 30 years and following the instructions or throwing out the instructions that I'm giving them and doing their own thing or borrowing one little technique. Like the fact that I'm responsible for a little bit more creativity or a little bit more play in this world makes me so happy. And I want to continue to amplify that. And one of the biggest messages in uh, Brick by Brick is that even if you don't have the pieces that we're showing you, there's so many different ways to build. You can always put your own spin on it. You can always you know, make it your own. It's not about following the instructions to a perfect T. It's about creating and playing and learning along the way. And even if at the end you're done and your thing isn't what you wanted or you hate it or it sucks. Like the great thing about working Lego is you can destroy it and make something else. Absolutely. It's like, and you've learned so much along the way, even if it is, you know, a failure. <laughs> totally. Totally. What would be a, a dream project that you would want to work on? Uh, well, certainly making an entire space out of, out of Lego is Uh something that I'm currently working on, uh, at least furnishing an entire place out of Lego first. So like an entire like house or room or start with an an apartment. Yeah. Then do an entire Lego apartment. Are you guys doing your apartment? Uh, not ours, (laughs) (laughs) not ours. Uh, but yeah, but one, uh, yeah. And I want to, I want to elevate um what we're able to do collaboratively with lego um i've been able to do a lot of pieces where where people come in and put in you know one or two pieces or a handful of pieces but i really want to do large scale Mm -hmm. collaborative builds where we get people from a ton of different countries or schools or you know really unite people across a really wide distance or really wide you know socioeconomic background or whatever it is bring people together through building um is something i love to do and want to just do that on larger and larger scales i love that love that uh so you know as an entrepreneur you know move like on the business side you know there's been obviously there's ups and downs how do you handle that i guess mentally mindset wise i mean one thing is that I have made it a point to celebrate the small victories Mm. and really acknowledge when something goes right, even if it's tiny, even if it's a small build that I'm doing because a friend just had a kid or uh, I do some teaching sometimes. So even if it's just a a class with, with 20 kids or a minor installation, because I've found that, especially as artists, if we're waiting to arrive, if we're waiting to have that day or you know, the phone rings like, oh, you did it. You're a successful photographer, artist, dancer, musician, Lego artist, whatever it is. That's never going to come. And as we do more things, 
our desire to do more things just goes up and up and up and like our brain is a difference engine so we get used mm. to a certain level of success and then it doesn't feel like success anymore it just feels normal right so i've really been focusing on acknowledging all of the steps along this journey mm. so that has certainly mitigated some some stress and anxiety uh and really you know continuing this this uh new tradition of being a distance runner mm. not sprinting mm. of not being like oh i just finished a big installation i get to take a week off or five days off i mean breaks are imperative but not not over breaking <laughs> not, right. you know, not taking it to the point where i'm coasting in between things but really continually generating work and generating curiosity and, and keeping on building because even after a build if i'm kind of burnt out of one type of building or style of building like there's so much more i can do right. um and i i continue growing as an artist like i can build stuff now that i couldn't five years ago yeah. that I certainly couldn't when i was a kid even though i was like convinced i was like the world's best six-year-old builder or whatever <laughs> you know i i i want to learn more and one of the things about being connected with the lego community and looking on instagram and on websites and all of these things that people are doing is like there's new pieces coming out there's new things being created in the world. There's new forms of architecture. There's new mm -hmm. art. There's new styles. There's all of these new things. And it's such a wonderful challenge and opportunity to try to keep up with that stuff with in Lego. Yeah. You know, to to build different, you know, textile patterns, to, to, to build different forms of art, to really, uh, you know, stay as as uh out of my comfort zone as possible as yeah. a builder i think is is super important and like there's so much amazing stuff being made like all the time like in like whatever media you're into absolutely you got to keep upping the game and you know i think once you like you said once you get successful it's hard to maintain and grow from there yeah but uh do you have any um like morning routines or, or mindfulness practices that that help you Certainly, yeah, I do. Uh, one of the biggest things is no phone for the first normally 90-ish minutes of the day. Wow. Um, always for sure an hour. Uh, that's really helpful to kind of keep the outside world from uh, interfering with, with how I start my day. Yeah. Like I get to start my day the way I want to start it and to a large extent the way my dog wants to start it. Um, <laughs> But taking her on a nice long walk without a screen, uh, making a smoothie without a screen, doing my little like push up, pull up, whatever routine without a screen, uh, all of that is is really important. And I've been uh, recently because there was so much building to do for the installation I did at the Great Lakes Science Center in Cleveland. Uh, I was finding that I was waking up with like a decent amount of stress. Um, and someone told me this and I never knew it. I wish I knew it a hundred years ago is that our cortisol levels, which are the chemical responsible for this feeling of stress, they're the highest in the morning because it's like the longest period of time where we've been offline. So like we wake up with stress, like, am I, did anything take a bite out of me during the <laughs> night? Like, is my food source gone? Am I, like, yeah, it makes yeah, yeah. sense. But like, I never knew that. I just thought I woke up with a ton of stress because like I was behind or something. Yeah. So just knowing that has been so, so helpful. So I do a few breathing exercises. I don't have a phone, you know, in my face. And I do uh, some practices of gratitude where I just yeah. like rattle off 10 things I'm grateful for. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, what, what is, what's me. the breathing practice? Uh, there's a... I don't know the name of it, uh, but it's basically the opposite of hyperventilating, where hmm. you breathe in for four seconds, you hold it for seven seconds, and then you exhale for eight seconds. Oh, wow. And you do f about four of them. You can do about four of them in a minute. So I do it for a minute or two. And it's just like a really wild way to breathe. It's so <laughs> different than how we're used to breathing. It's yeah. like a really nice way to slow everything down. That's great. Yeah. Do you know, have you heard of Wim Hof? I have heard of Wim Hof. Yeah. Wim Hof is amazing. That dude, that dude's on another planet. Another planet. <laughs> another planet. Yeah. Yeah. The internet is like having us breathe differently. Right, <laughs> it's, it's, right. it's interrupting and disrupting everything there is. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, uh, that creates another conversation for another time, but of where the world's heading and, uh, and all that. But uh, what are, what are, do you have like any top three books that you love and recommend? Uh, 
I, I mean, I, I, I love the prophet. I have it. I think it's in my backpack downstairs. Mm. Like I just open it and look at it every now and then. Um, I've just read, he has two books. I just read one. I forget his name. Uh, oh, I can see it on the cover. It's so close. Anyway, he's a, psych- a psychiatrist, a psychologist. Yeah. He's some kind of scientist. He's great. Um, and he has a blog also that's called uh, You Are Not So Smart. Oh. And it's an entire book about cognitive fa- fallacies that we all make all the time and kind of looks at the reason behind them or, you know, why evolutionarily they take place and some tricks around them. Like what kind of things? Uh, like he'll take a novel example of an experiment that's been done. Like for us to make sense of the world, we tell stories. And in our process of telling stories, we use heuristics and all of these things to be like mental shortcuts. But when we do these mental shortcuts, we lose a ton of what's actually going on and we can draw mm-hmm. wrong conclusions. Like there's one uh, one experiment that's been done and duplicated so many times that it's not a fluke where a bunch of people who are part of the experiment, but that's like one of the ones where the experiment is different than what they think the experiment is. Uh, they meet somebody and they meet the person who's going to be conducting the experiment and they're later asked to tell whether they were friendly or cold or whatever. Hmm. But the people who are being uh, studied in the experiment before they meet the person have either been given a warm beverage or a cold beverage. And people who are holding a warm beverage were like so many more times likely to think that the person they met was friendly and open and sweet just because they were touching something warm. And the people (laughs) who met somebody... And it was the same actor every single time who they were meeting, do, like being the same way, going through the same whole routine. People who were holding a cold beverage were super likely to write them off as standoffish, difficult, cold, <laughs> and like little things like that, that are bananas that our brain does. So like, bizarre. Yeah. I love neuroscience stuff. Oh, like, dude. Yeah. It. So there's two books. You Are Not So Smart is the first one, and You Are Now Less Dumb is the second one. And they're... <laughs> they're incredible <laughs> that's awesome yeah even though you know the titles don't make you feel so great when someone is sitting next to you on a plane <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking at what you're reading that's awesome yeah that's awesome well one last question here i'd love to ask all my guests is uh what does the phrase live inspiration mean to you uh, it's a beautiful phrase uh for me it means a lot it means that that we have who knows what after this life but we know for sure we have this life Mm -hmm. and some people are really committed to making this life great and some people are okay or just like maybe they don't think they have a control over it but they kind of just accept whatever is happening and they're like oh you know life sucks or life is hard or i do this bad job but i don't know that i deserve more hmm. um and and whether you think your life is amazing or terrible like you're right so it's like if we can live inspiration if we can stay excited if we can stay out of our comfort zone stay in wonder stay in in create creativity same creation i feel like we're setting ourselves up for really really great success in having a wonderful life and i'm not here saying that like if you're born in a war-torn country and you've never known your parents because they were lost like it's it's not as easy as just like thinking it's gonna get better and like it gets better but certainly there is an extent where we are responsible for the reality Mm. that we uh, exist in and for whatever percentage of the actual effect that we can have on it like why not live inspired because who knows what's next who knows what's outside this door absolutely but if we can like an inspiration is so beautiful because it's not just for me it's not just for you like yeah as we get inspired it so often inspires others and gives them permission to to inspire and set off this like beautiful chain reaction so yeah, I'm all about that phrase. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Adam, I acknowledge you for the uh, inspiration that you're being in this world, building Legos and being such a creative soul. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. And where can people find you, follow you and see all your work? Oh, Nick, thank you. It's been such a treat to be here. 
my my Instagram is where I try to post as much work as possible, but sometimes I get lost in the process and social media goes by the wayside. But it is peace, like a peace sign and bricks. Uh, my website is also peaceandbricks.com. And then my show is on, uh, it's on YouTube. It's on the Soul Pancake channel. So you can either look up Soul Pancake or look up Brick by Brick, Brick X, Brick. And you can watch all you want. And there's a, a season coming out in July and then another season coming out um, next year. Fantastic. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to today's episode of Neon Radio with Adam Ward. I'm your host, Nick Onkin. And if you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you could help us out by sharing it out on social media or leave us a good review over on iTunes. Don't forget to go out and check out the uh, Neon Life community. Join other artists and creatives and share your work, get inspired, and create collaborations over at neonlife.com slash community. With that, you know what time it is. It's time to go out and create your life by creating every small moment. And we'll see you next time. 